Welcome to Leadership 2020. I'm Claire Carpenter. So I'm joined this afternoon by Evan Harris. Evan is a former outsourcing executive who's now involved in several startups himself and has previous experience in major workforce management, particularly in the healthcare sector. So thanks very much for joining me this afternoon. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to talk to you about this, actually. So today we're going to talk about how important it is for a leader to be able to give feedback effectively. And we're going to think about what that looks like from a positive praise point of view and also where performance is slipping, how you actually have the tough conversations. So something I think is really important in a leadership skill toolkit, if you like. What do you think about that though? Feedback is is absolutely essential and in a sense, the more of it, the better. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of managers don't provide enough feedback. I think a common issue is that people think that the other person knows what you think through some sort of magical process and often they don't you know so a really a really common situation is that a manager or a leader might think that somebody working in their team is is fantastic and you know they they think wow this person's great and they you know will tell other people sometimes and they just assume that that person understands that and often they don't often the the most effective people can have the most fragile fragile (laughs) sense of, of selves yeah, the first thing is to recognise that communicate, communicate, communicate again, and part of that is feedback. So, how do people learn to give feedback with impact? Do you think in a leadership role? I think, like lots of things, it's just experience. But I think it is it is a learned skill. I think much more than some other vaguer qualities. So you know, there is some best practice around giving feedback. Be very specific. Go back to concrete examples rather than sort of telling your opinion based on sort of nothing and assuming the person gets or actually assuming you're right mm. maybe you're not when you find out more more context so be you know very very specific about a you know very specific situation or scenario and tell them what your take was on that particular scenario and i think a, a very important thing is to try to connect it to some sort of emotion so when you did x i felt wonderful because bang 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 or when you did why, actually, that made me really angry because, you know, we have mentioned this 16 times previously, or, you know, you wouldn't say that, but, but something, you know, you can, again, go back to a specific event, how I felt. And if you communicate back to your emotions, it just seems to connect the person much better. I think it can often re- remove some uh, defensiveness and sometimes it can, it, they'll just get it more. You know, when you when you connect it to an emotion, I guess you have to learn that for yourself because it sounds a bit airy fairy, but it's not. I think in practice, I think people respond to an emotional connection, and you can create that emotional connection by saying your action, your specific action in this specific time made me feel this specific way, and then you can have a conversation around it. Now maybe you were wrong on this, or maybe you were right, but at least you're going to create some sort of connection and actually have an open, honest conversation. The worst thing is just to to go in there mechanistically and expect the person to get it and wonder why they don't. Yeah. I think there's something really interesting there in terms of sort of intent and impact. That's where that's taking me when you talk about hooking into an emotion. Something that says what you did and what its impact had on me is more memorable yeah. to the person that you're giving the feedback to. Yeah. So, so emotions, some 
far more memorable than facts yeah or just you know empty words so interesting and yet actually there's a feeling of discomfort for many people new to leadership or management roles to actually tell you how I feel to use they don't have the words sometimes for those emotions yeah regardless of experience there's a lot of hesitation around this yeah what advice would you give to people who feel uncomfortable doing that Try it out, see what happens. Yeah. As they say in the startup world, A, B, test it, you know, see what happens, see what you're doing previously and see and try it out. It might be easier to do it with someone you already have a connection with. Maybe ask for feedback on the feedback, you know, how do you find this session? Did you get anything out of it? Yeah. Yeah, try it out. So just thinking about somebody coming into a leadership role without that much experience of having been given feedback themselves in the past, I'm thinking particularly about positive feedback and we'll move on to perhaps challenging and more challenging conversations around where where performance is not satisfactory but from point of view of positive feedback how can a leader or manager make sure they're in the right place to actually spot opportunities to do that do you think well there's you know i think it's pretty much proven that the more you walk the floor the more that you take the time to get to know somebody, um, the more you make yourself visible, the more approachable you are. So people will come to you and, you know, the, the organization will give you feedback voluntarily rather than sort of shut down. Just getting out there is a really big part of this. And have you got examples of where that's worked for you to help you drive one of your businesses forward? Yeah. So I, I, I've always just tried to be very, very visible, not sort of in a, you know, egoic way. I just think that's a very effective way of operating. So I'd like to think that, well, particularly in large workforces, people actually know who I am, which is not always the case. And that they get a sense of me and what I'm about. And not everyone, of course, but would like to think that I'm the type of person you could share something with and there won't be any repercussions for that sharing. So I think sort of to act in a way that where openness is encouraged, I think creates those connections, which means that it all just works more effectively. Yeah. And so thinking about the other sort of flip side of that, then there's always going to be occasions where people don't meet our expectations or aren't performing in the way that we need them to do. What advice would you give to a new leader around how to give more constructive feedback? It's never fun, let's face it. Mm. Um, anybody who finds that fun is probably <laughs> probably should be somewhere else. So it's not fun, let's face it, and never really enjoy it. But I think if you can frame it in a way that it's it's good for them, because mm. let's face it, if someone continues to underperform, they're eventually, it's going to end up badly for them. So the sooner you can intervene and actually provide feedback that gives them the opportunity to set a better course direction, the better it is. So recognizing that and framing it positively for the other person's benefit is a, is a very effective way of, of approaching it. Because if you think, oh, I'm the bearer of bad news, this person's going to be really upset, I'm going to feel terrible, they're going to feel terrible, then you're sort of already going in with a very negative mm. mindset. Whereas if you go in and say, well, actually, this could result in fantastic change of, of performance for the benefit of that person, for the benefit of their team, for the benefit of me, for the benefit of the organisation, you know, this could really turn out well. So approaching it and, and framing it that way and approaching it that way, I think, can take away some of the you know, just general distastefulness of having to do it. It's not easy. No one enjoys it, mm. but it has to be done. And what are some of the pitfalls that people should be mindful of avoiding, do you think? A bit like what I said earlier, uh, the more specific, the more concrete you can be to ground the feedback, make it more objective. Yeah the less likely someone is to immediately be defensive. So a common pitfall is to kind of make it personal and, you know, you know, 
don't like it when you well, you don't even say I don't like it when you did X. You just say, oh, you know, you're, you're underperforming, you know, mm. or blah blah blah, and I don't like blah blah, and it's all kind of you know, it's, it's not grounded in fact, or it's not aligned back to the objectives you set in the first place. So if that's where you know performance management isn't just about giving feedback; it's about setting the direction and you know giving some smart objectives in the first place. So you can the feedback can actually go back to something, some concrete objectives. Hopefully, with some concrete data, so you can say again, you can depersonalize it by saying, you know, we said we're going to do ten percent, we've done it minus ten percent. You know, it's very, very clear and it's depersonalized. And if it's more depersonalized, it is the more someone's not going to kind of lock into that. You know, you hate me. You know, and or it's, it becomes a more constructive conversation. I think the more constructive conversation, you're more likely to get some. They'll have the potential to get a positive outcome out of it. Like I said before, you with the framing it positively. Yeah, so focusing on the behaviour rather than the personality. Yeah, totally. Because uh, I think if, if you're the leader who thinks that everybody should have the same approach, style, personality, mm. then that's not really f- one. It's not a good way to lead, but two, it's it's just going to constrain everybody, and they're not going to be able to do the job that they could potentially do. Mm. So uh, you know, really, is negative to make it personal and. Because it just comes across as bashing someone around. It can never be effective. Yeah. So any other tips that you would give leaders around giving that feedback? Is there a particular process that you always follow? A couple of things spring to mind. Firstly, do it early. Mm. Do it as early as possible because it's not fun. So it's easy to find other things to do. (laughs) And then it's, you know, something that could have been nipped in the bud becomes career terminating. So do it really early and then do it privately. So, you know, this is something, there are times to do things in groups. This is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, don't humiliate anybody and keep their pride intact. I and mean, that's the same if, if you have to exit somebody. But, you know, make sure that they feel respected as an individual and as a human. Mm-hmm. Um, so do it privately. Don't, and, you know, this is, a, this is between you and that person. Mm. Be very careful of who you tell because this type of information spreads very quickly and the person will feel completely betrayed if they feel that... The private conversation was aired by you, the leader, or by the, their manager. So very, very, very important. Yeah. And have you seen examples where that performance issue hasn't been addressed and the impact that that's had? Uh, you see it all the time, unfortunately, I, th- mm. I think. Um, and it can go on for years, mm. years and year, year after year, where somebody can be seen as not particularly effective and the organisation just sort of lets it happen and then... You know, how's, how is the organization going to get the best out of that person if, if they're not giving them prompt, open, honest feedback? It's a shame and a, genuinely a tragedy for that person. Yeah. But you see it again and again and again, just where someone just drifts along and year after year, no feedback. So It has a wider impact on their team as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, no one likes giving difficult conversations and it's going to create attrition. It's going to mean a demotivated team. I think it happens in support functions in particular because I think sometimes support functions, the accountability metrics aren't as clear. Mm-hmm. So you end up with these it's often quite underperforming teams which frustrate maybe some of the more accountable functions such as operations. Yeah, It's a, unfortunately very, very common. So just thinking about from a business leader point of view, how do you work to establish a culture in your businesses of both positive and performance-related feedback being the norm. What do you do yourself to set that example? Like anything, I think that you walk the talk. So if people see you doing it, then that becomes the standard. And one thing I 
try to focus on is, is making sure you give the positive feedback. Again, promptly, specifically. Uh, so everything we talked about with the negative feedback applies for the positive feedback. And I think it's, it can be sometimes worse in the sense that, like I said before, you think someone knows what knows what you think of them. You think they, you know, they're a superstar, they know it, and of, often they don't. Mm. Often the superstar doesn't get the public praise that would be useful for everybody else because mm. they see praise being directed in a way that for someone who's doing a great job, everybody feels better. And you're also able to, to, if you do specifically say, you know, there is somebody role modeling the behaviors that I think is going to make us successful. Mm. Again, communicate, communicate, communicate again, do it promptly, do it early, do it constantly. And on the negative side, same thing and be prepared to have difficult conversations early that you might wish to avoid. And that creates a culture, I think, of openness, honesty and, and consequences, hopefully early consequences. So you don't have these people allowed and enabled to underperform year after year and the rest of the organization watching them because if everyone watching them, what are they going to do? It's going to just be completely demotivating, not just for that team, but everybody around them. So we've talked quite a bit about how to give feedback. And one thing we haven't really covered yet in our discussion is what it's like to actually be at the receiving end of it, both positive and less enjoyable. What advice would you give to somebody who's being given some positive feedback by their manager? Acknowledge it, I think. Often it's easy to ignore the good feedback and just focus on the negative. And I think everybody's always waiting for the but in a conversation. Like, you know, you've done X, Y, Z really well, but you're just waiting for the buts and everyone's focusing on what comes after the but. Yeah. And so you just ignore everything said before. So I think to, to genuinely sit back and acknowledge that positive feedback is, is really important. If you're not receiving specific event, uh, examples, because not everybody does it perfectly, ask for specific examples because then you can actually learn from it. It's In a way, it's depersonalized, everything yeah. I mentioned earlier. So really important to just listen and acknowledge and ask for more clarity if required and on the negative side the reflex for everybody is put the shackles up Mm. don't listen the other person's an idiot and I think specifically what can often happen is you don't decouple your effort from the result so when and I think people often feel that no but I tried really hard Mm. and they expect that because they tried really hard that's kind of the outcome and it's not you know so i think the the reflex can be particularly if you're working really hard you're under pressure to reflex shackles come up you don't listen the other person's an idiot and you don't get the benefit of that feedback and generally it's pretty rare there's not a kernel of truth somewhere in there even if you don't respect the person giving the feedback and often what you're hearing is the organizational voice that some, sometimes you might be hearing in your day-to-day job because you'd be surrounded by other people who might not be telling you. So I think listen openly as much as possible to the negative feedback is, is very important. Yeah. Are there cultural um, issues? And you've worked in, in different environments, different countries, etc. Do you see differences from a cultural point of view in terms of how feedback is received? Yeah. So I think in, in Eastern cultures... Typically, it's much more hierarchical, so the subordinates just expected to just sit there and shut up and listen to it and go on their way and not challenge and maybe not not have the confidence or maybe not the organization doesn't feel that doesn't enable them to ask the, for the clarification. They just literally have to sit there and take it mm. and then walk away and you know moan about why it's wrong. Whereas again, stereotypically in the West, it's generally less hierarchical, so it's a bit easier maybe to to ask for more clarity. But then you have in the you know in the the east generally there's more energy put into a relationship and there's more understanding of building a relationship is really important. Whereas in the west, just do the task, do the task, do the task, and get on with it. And we're paying you, and what are you complaining about? 
So somewhere in the middle there, there's, there's good and bad ways of doing it. And, you know, the important thing is to adjust to the culture. So what, what is going to work in this culture and in this environment mm. could be completely different to what works in another environment. So that flexibility, I think, is really important. And also as a leader, just taking time to understand the culture because often you're thrown into a completely new environment where the culture exists, been existing there for decades sometimes, and you know, it's up to you to learn it. It's not up to you to come in and expect it's going to change overnight. You have yeah. to, to bring people with you. You have to have, a, I think, a deep appreciation of the culture, both good and bad. And if you don't, no one's going to listen to you. No one's going to listen. No one's going to take your feedback seriously because what do you know? You just turned up. Mm. And interesting to see the impact of feedback as well, isn't it? In terms of both, again, starting to receive positive feedback for the first time, perhaps, and also starting to hear about the real black and white of what performance really looks like. Yeah. And in terms of the audit, it might be, even for an underperforming team, it might be appropriate to concentrate on the positives for the first three to six months to be able to build the relationships so and then bring them with you and you know just through some role modeling chip away if you come in and say right you know everything's rubbish and then expect them to suddenly turn around is, is not realistic and not fair because they might have in some circumstances been told they're great and so it's not fair to suddenly come in and come in with boot, big boots on yeah and there's something about celebrating success at the end of a goal period as well isn't there you've set goals and you've given feedback yeah. and it's easy for us to then move straight on to the next the next piece yeah, without actually pausing for a moment and realize what's been done in that instance yeah it's it's, it's really common and really unfortunate and i think uh, i just think social occasions are so important so i'm, I'm a huge fan of christmas parties mm. a lot of people aren't but i think they're amazing i think they're incredible bonding opportunities so um and the same with any sort of milestone even if the projects going downhill if something something you can say this went well like focus on it you know because who knows you know but identify every opportunity you've got to extract some sort of good and like you've said it's it's sometimes hard because you just focus on the next thing or you think within the broader scheme it might or might either be uncertain or negative so you don't choose to celebrate anything because that would send the wrong message. But actually, I think it's the wrong other way around. If you if you got an opportunity to celebrate, then people could respond, and you could change the bigger picture by the bigger performance by um, focusing on the some sort of positivity at a lower level. Then I guess my final my final question to you might be around the feedback that you get and that you receive, and sometimes you're at the receiving end, aren't you, of really tough messages because yeah. you're being paid the big bucks to absorb that how do you deal with that and then pass that down what happens then yeah it's, it's really difficult because i think sometimes feedback can be relentless negatively relentless particularly on some of the big programs i've worked on and the message from the leadership above you can be very brutal and it's almost like they want you to send that down down into the you know to the front line and sometimes that's not the best thing to do just to put it mildly because you know they're they're further away, they mightn't understand the the what's really going on, and you know so often people think oh they're not working hard enough, and well that's your responsibility to get, kind of to help them to get hard to work effectively. So I think you, you need to shield the, that a bit, and even though you're getting no positivity whatsoever at times, I think you still have to shield that and find spots of of high performance, celebrate that, just not let it be this avalanche of negativity. A lot of the time, I think that's the role of a leader is to just not nod your head and say, yeah, okay, I'm going to say that you know everything's rubbish just because my boss, boss thinks everything's rubbish. Mm. You've got to really get people's backs and uh, 
make sure that you're you're finding the good as much as possible. And I am as guilty as this type of thing as anybody. I don't always do it, but just to be conscious that it's a very powerful thing to, to be able to do is is really important, I think. A sort of filter, maybe. Filter, yeah, filter, yeah. A dam. Yeah. Because, you know? <laughs> yeah, it can be tough. You know, sometimes, particularly a large transformation program, it can, you know, success can be just around the corner. And it can, it can, you know, performance can be really down, but but all the energy you put into getting structures right and processes right and, you know, relationships right can suddenly, you know, there's a curve and it might look very, very negative just before it swings. And if you don't communicate the good, then how are you going to get that upswing? Yeah. Eric Byrne in um, Transaction Analysis would say you get what you stroke. Yeah. There has to be something positive in there somewhere. Yeah. And then, then, for then, something then, positive to come back out again. Yeah, exactly. And then there must be, like, particularly large organisations, there's got to be pockets of good performance. Very large workforce situation I had. We, we, we made it. Part of our procedure was to identify good stories and really tell positive stories. So there were you know, over 100 offices around the UK, a lot of people working there. And, you know, it was, it was tricky. The client were on our back, was, was very much on our back. And we thought, right, you know, let's, for those four regions, each of the directors of those regions, right, every week find three good stories. And then we would play them back to everybody. And it, it, it went down incredibly well and it made it real and, you know, and people – and all, pretty much all from the front line so people felt that their you know the little bits of extra effort they put in were acknowledged uh, by the leadership celebrated by the leadership um, and they felt it was really bridging I think because they felt and it was was accurate that you know we were actually we cared yeah and that was going to be a focus so if someone went the extra mile no matter where it was um, particularly around the way they, in, in this scenario, the way they interacted with their customer. Yeah. So so if they did something kind, they made a difference in that person's life, we talk about it, really talk about it. And that person would obviously feel great. Their team would feel great. The whole region would feel great about it. And it got a bit competitive. So people would try to, try and, right, if I go the extra mile, and they'd like to think you'd do it anyway. But I think, like you said, if, if if people are being stroked for that, they're going to do more of it. If you just say, right, you didn't hit your daily target every day and you actually haven't hit it for the last three months and why not work harder, what's that going to do? Yeah. I'm reminded of the Zappos thing, you know, the delivering oh, happiness. I mean, that's I love the Zappos, thing, isn't yeah. it? I've been to Zappos. Oh. Yeah, I went on a tour, the HR tour. Very lucky. Yeah, it's great. It's like that though, isn't it? Share that delight. I mean, they were the world leaders in this, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So I mean, to do the tour there and you go into a room and everyone sees there's a group of visitors. So they start up and literally some music goes on and they do a dance, <laughs> you know, literally. So, you know, where do you want to work in HR? Do you want to work at Zappos? Do you want to work at IBM? Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a rating and review to help others find out about the show. This is a Podo podcast produced by Nick Hilton in association with Corndell. Corndell.